Uh, I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Si silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up? What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode, wow, 27. 27. We're almost at 30. the Silence Shame podcast. I know. I mm -hmm. know. How you doing, Free? I'm doing all right. I know. It's, you know, it's a lot going on right now. It is a lot going I on. I think we all have a lot personally and mm -hmm. professionally that we're trying to navigate. Very much so. But the good news is we are here. And we woke up this morning. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you believe in God or the universe or what have you, um, the good news is that we are here and we're able to work. Mm -hmm. I know it's been a while. I want to apologize to all of our listeners out there. You hadn't really gotten a recent podcast since May 9th, but... For those of you that do follow me on Instagram, you know that I lost my big sister in April. And um, that has been and still is the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with in my life. Mm -hmm. um, loss is uh, something that we all will face one day. Mm. But there is no right or wrong way mm -hmm. necessarily to grieve. I think, you know, it's interesting. My sister was on the Silence to Shame podcast. Guys, if you want to go back and listen to it <clears throat> on episode 19, it featured my sister, um, Anjali Maria Arnold, and um, she was finishing, she had just finished uh, her master's of counseling degree and was about to become an LPC, and she did our episode on grief and loss, which is just, I'm like, okay, yeah, God, that's is that your way of mm -hmm. having a sense of humor here? Because who knew that a few months later that I would be listening to that podcast from a different lens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, I am I'm going through it still. I'm about to start grief counseling, but it's been tough. And so all I can do is just say I'm sorry um, that we have not posted um, a lot of episodes since May. But, yeah, it was just very tough. Yeah, I completely understand. You know, I've been there with you. and Yeah, and I appreciate <laughs> you and everyone on the team mm -hmm. more than you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for helping me pick up the slack. Well, that's what we do. Yeah, but I'm I'm grateful. Um, and we also have, um, well, I like to call her now. She's soon to be, I think, one of our resident clinicians in the building. You know, we, we, we have um, Dr. Umstead. And we also have a, a dear friend, um, Dr. Adrian. Mm -hmm. Hi, Dr. Adrian. You? Hey there. And I like the way that sounds. Resident clinician yes. in the building. Mm -hmm. I love that. That sounds real good. Hello. Mm -hmm. So I will some... receive that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen and amen. Yes. So how you been? You know, um, as my father says, every day that I can get out of the bed mm -hmm. in my right mind is a good day. That's right. So mm -hmm. I try not to allow the things in the day and things being people, places, and stuff mm -hmm. to influence my mood mm -hmm. as much as possible. And I'm learning that, too. Mm -hmm. It's I, a process. I posted a really great article today that I'm trying to find. Um, and it just talked about gratitude. Mm-hmm. And how scientifically it's kind of, you know, been proven to make you feel better and to put you in a better place. Um, it was on ideapod.com. So mm -hmm. the title is Neuroscience Reveals How Gratitude Literally Rewires Your Brain mm -hmm. to Be Happier. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And so through my loss, you know, I still have to wake up every morning and just be thankful. And be thankful. Yep. And be thankful for every moment that you had with your sister, every thing that she's poured into you. All of that you still get to keep. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. It never goes away. 
Thank you for mm-hmm. that. You're welcome. All right. Yeah, so as I was saying, this is episode 27. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That feels good. It feels really good. And I'm really excited about this title um, because, you know, my pastor, Dr. Raphael G. Warnock, of the mighty, mighty Ebenezer Baptist Church, America's Freedom Church in Atlanta, Georgia, he told me this notion about being a wounded healer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I like, remember that for episode. me, you know, the work that I'm doing, this feels like a ministry, but what about, you know, the clinicians, the psychiatrists and the, the social workers and the therapists and, and everybody that's really out here doing this work on a daily basis? You know, they're human as well. So Absolutely. It, it probably takes a toll on everybody's <laughs> life. So this is episode 27, which is Does Your Therapist have a therapist i like that how about that i mm-hmm. love that i love mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and so in addition to um our resident clinician for the the episode dr adrian being in the building we also have a good friend of mine on the phone who i had the pleasure of working with in new york city a couple of weeks back and and i want to thank him for, again for being a part of our silence to shame community conversation um at island records let's welcome to the show Dr. Randy. Hey. Hey, hey guys. What's Welcome. On, How hey, you doing? Free. Doing good. How about you? Good, good. Tell everybody where you're calling from. I'm calling from New Jersey. Hey, New shout Jersey out. Jersey in the building. Ooh. About 30 minutes outside of the city, so okay. not that far from New York. Um, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a therapist, a counselor. Uh, New Steps Counseling is my practice. Okay. And I've been providing therapists to therapy to people for uh, over 15 years now. Mm. So just doing my thing in the therapy world. I'm so Mental proud of you. Is my thing. That's yeah, I awesome. appreciate that. That's really great. That. Let me ask, can I ask you something? What um, age group do you provide therapy for? I, I meant to ask that when I, we were together. Sure. My, my specialty is working with uh, children and adolescents. But of course, mm. in working with children and adolescents, I also do a lot of work with parents mm-hmm. as well, families. Um, but that's my specialty, the, okay. the young people, the teenagers. Yep. Nice. Dr. Adrian, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what your specialty group is as well. All right. Well, um, Changemakers LLC is the name of my private practice. I also run a nonprofit organization through um, a Change for All 2, working with kids aging out of foster care 18 to 21. Oh, amazing. Um, and I've been in private practice. This is my 25th year in mm-hmm. private practice. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, so I was in the school system mm-hmm. um, full-time. That was my full-time job. But as a mental health clinician, I was actually in the school systems at the elementary, middle, high school level as a counselor and assistant principal. But I always had my private practice part-time. So what made you transition from the school system to just doing more so of your private practice? That's a great question. So I was always the mental health clinician at the table raising her hand saying, educators, you don't have it right. We Mm. are ignoring mental health. And if you Mm. don't deal with mental health, you cannot deal with education. So I got fed up in 2009 and said, deuces, I'm I'm going over here where I can make a difference full time, Mm -hmm. where I can concentrate on what we need to concentrate on. Because if you concentrate on dealing with mental health issues, then we don't have to have as many issues in education. That's right. Mm. That's right. Very good. So let's jump right in. I mean, because this is, I think, a topic that, you know, we have a lot of of people that work in the field that listen to this show, and I'm hoping that, you know, the the words exchanged and the information provided today will resonate with our listeners. Um, Dr. Randy, can you talk to us about 
um, when you did your dissertation, and I know it was around self-care to mitigate burnout for therapists. You know, first of all, why did you choose that topic? It's a great topic. Though. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And so let's jump right in. Yeah, I, I really chose that topic, um, Shanti, because I was doing so much work with, like I said, with young people and coming across different clinicians and colleagues and teachers and educators in the, in the line of work that I was in. I just found a lot of people just did not seem happy mm. doing that work. And I was I was like, what can I do to really, you know, make sure that I position myself to be um, the best clinician I can be, but also information that I can gather through, um, through the research to help my colleagues. So that's why I chose that particular topic. You know, I wanted to see how self-care could be something that could help um, clinicians be able to ward off burnout. And on compassion fatigue. Tell me some of the stuff that you learned from doing this research. Oh wow, it was it was an eye-opening experience. I mean, just the doing the research itself for me, the process of doing the research was very um, and provided me with a lot of self-care, a lot of mindfulness, just for me as the the researcher. But um, the results that I found was uh, astonishing. Um, The clinicians that really made self-care. Um, uh, an aspect of their their practice, but their lives in general did not experience burnout. I mean, they really, they could see it coming because they were just more mindful, mm-hmm. but they also were just more um, more equipped to be able to help the people they were trying to service because they just had a better sense of empathy and compassion and mm-hmm. balance. They were able to say no. They had great boundaries. Um, they really have people in their corner to be able to help them. So, you know, and also just a lot of the, the research, the findings I found was that people just wanted to to be able to talk about it. Clinicians mm-hmm. wanted to have their own space mm-hmm. or somebody that they can talk to um, when they were going through things as well. So people that had that aspect in their professional lives um, did very well in terms of being able to help, you know, those that they were trying to service their clients. So this may be a little bit of a jump ahead. Is there a such thing or do you know of a such a thing that there's like um, groups for therapists? It's interesting that you would say that. I mean, it's like you sitting here reading my mind free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Randy, unfortunately, you, you're you up there, but you'll have to make your way to Atlanta um, sure for, for something for sure. that I am starting actually for therapists in the area that I am calling Fourth Fridays. Mm-hmm. And so it is... Um, a sort of a group therapy, mm-hmm. um, but it's at my home mm-hmm. on on Friday, the fourth Friday of every month, just for clinicians to come together and to have some dialogue mm-hmm. about and support for That's us. Great. Because mm-hmm. a lot of I, times, I start a branch of that out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just it was just something I was thinking about, and I know how many clinicians I've come in contact with, and so we all kind of speak with similar voices in terms of how do we fit in and find the time to do the work that we need to continue to do as well. Mm -hmm. And so I said, why don't we start coming together once a month? Um, Because it's also going to give us an opportunity to expand Mm -hmm. um, beyond our normal comfort zone and to reach out to some other people and, you know, sometimes your reaching out isn't for you. It's for the people around That's you. That's right. Mm-hmm. I actually really love that concept because um, it, it reminds That's me great. of, like, First Fridays, right? Right, right, right. The parties mm-hmm. that, you know, still I think, you know, my generation and even some of the younger generation, you know, now still does it. But um, 
tell me this. Do you guys ever refer out when you're feeling overwhelmed? Like, say, for example, mm-hmm. if, if you know, or for you, you know, you brought this up, if the clinician, if you're having your own personal things that you're dealing with and it's just kind of overwhelming, do you ever refer out to another clinician if you feel like you're not able to really satisfy what you need to do for your clients? You mean for a client? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, because that's from your own burnout. Yes. And so. You know, as a part of our training, and Dr. Randy, I've, I've got some years on you. I, I can tell I've got some years on you. I've been doing this for a minute. Um, but as a part of our training, you know, that was one of the first things that we learned, that if you encounter a situation that you are not equipped to deal with, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, whether it is that you don't have the capacity to deal with it or if it's that it's too up close and personal for you to mm-hmm. deal with In it. In terms of the subject matter. Absolutely. Then you need to refer that to someone that is better equipped because what you don't want to do is to do a disservice to somebody that's because right. you're not in a space to handle that. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have to be so reflective in knowing ourselves and what we're going through. And well, is, I just want to give Dr. Randy a chance to answer that as well. Yeah, and I, I'm in, a, I'm in absolute agreement of that. The best practices um, that we learn early on in our training is that um, we really have to do a good job of taking care of ourselves and making sure that if something comes our way that we are not able to handle, that we don't sort of have that pride and say, you know what, we have to help this client. Right. No matter what, even if it's to our, um, you know, something that will actually be hurting us and eventually hurting the client. Mm-hmm. So we have to refer out. You know, that's best practices. That's something that we learn right away. Now, whether people do it or not, that's a whole nother question. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're going to put yourself in a place where you're really, you want to do great work for the people you service, then you have to do right by yourself. Number one, that's a big part of self-care as well. So she's absolutely right. Dr. Berry's actually right. We do refer out um, when we need to. Yep. Um, And so one of the things that, is it fair to say that everybody has um, triggers of some sort, whether it's like everybody in terms of you meaning clinicians, clinicians, just everyone, everyone having triggers. Everybody Everybody has triggers. Okay. So if everyone has triggers, how do clinicians, um, buffer or you know work through maybe their client going through something that they don't realize till later might be a trigger for them like is do you ever run into a situation where like a client's experience is a trigger to something else that you know either you've dealt with or just family has dealt with or you know like how does a clinician handle that i think that yeah we uh, go on dr randy no no i'll say real quick i think another another thing that we are um equipped to do is that we should be doing is checking our own stuff mm-hmm. right mm. so when clinics when our clients come in we have to make sure we check our own biases but also practice um, mindfulness right that keeps us in the moment and keeps us at a state of reflecting and also processing after our sessions can you explain a little bit have. by what you mean what you mean by mindfulness for those sure. who might not know of course. So mindfulness is just is simply being aware and being hyper aware or in tune with your own thoughts, your feelings, your mm. behaviors, your emotions. So being really um, able to sort of recognize what's going on internally, what's going on inside of you. So after the sessions are up, um, we may do some processing. We do some notes, obviously, but we also do some reflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of us do. And we reflect on how the session went and did it bring up any emotions or any 
any triggers for us and then you know what is the next step in terms of how we handle that um in terms of either like i said if it's like we talked about if it's something where it's becoming too much then we may have to uh you know refer out but the first step might be just you know reaching out to a colleague and doing some you know consulting with a colleague and say look this is what's going on with me with this particular client um what are your thoughts Mm -hmm. getting some feedback um from them as well so that could be helpful as well Mm -hmm. dr barry you had something to add yeah the only thing that i was going to add is that as a part of you know the training process there are different things that we go through in terms of actually being able to utilize some of the therapeutic process Mm. in your training and so it teaches you to be aware and reflective enough to kind of know what are the things in your own past that you have gone through because Mm -hmm. in order for you to be able to help somebody else you've got to know where it is that you've come from Mm. and so I always Mm -hmm. tell people that the greatest thing I ever did was to become a therapist because it allowed me to put into perspective the things in my life that I went through, the whatever traumas I may have dealt with in my life, mm-hmm. and to be so aware of those things that, you know, sometimes I feel like being a therapist can be a lonely place mm. because yes. it's really only <laughs> yes. th- other therapists who really are truly as reflective as we are. I mean, we pretty much assess everything, every conversation, every contact mm. we have Because we are being so reflective and we want to make sure that in order to teach other people to be their best selves, we got to be our best selves. We got to bring that to the table every day. Mm. So we don't have the same luxury to take things personally and to make assumptions about things. Mm. We really do try to reflect in a way that we are bringing our best selves into every situation and every person that we meet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's great. I agree with that 100 percent. You know, it's one of those professions where we don't really turn it off. And I think that's why this topic is so, so on point, because a lot of clinicians, um, their intentions are are so well meaning like they mean so well. But, you know, it's one of those things where you just don't turn it off. If you don't have those boundaries and that ability to to be aware, it can really catch up to you, um, like Dr. Berry said. Now, let me ask you a question, obviously, because, you know, silence of shame, um, you know, we we hope this this information really goes out to the masses and affects a lot of people. But we do know uh, oftentimes a lot of our subject matter focuses around communities of color. Mm -hmm. And with the two of you all being African-American clinicians, do you think there's even more pressure being an African-American therapist and making sure that you kind of like, rise up to the standards if you will within the field and you know is there even kind of burnout from from that sort of like um, Mm -hmm. fatigue if that makes sense you you know I think that yeah that is a great question I think that we are best suited to deal with other people of color (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. and and even though we have you know cross-cultural uh, counseling courses, you know, that we have to take, Cultural which, competency, right? which, yeah. which pretty much have been, you know, the same since they were developed. Mm-hmm. I think that the difference is as African-Americans, we really do have a degree of empathy that, you know, not a lot of other people are able to 
muster up and find, mm-hmm. and, you know, and That's even right. though they want to, they, they, they may want to, it becomes an issue of desire versus capacity. Mm. And so you can yep. want to be a certain way that you can't be because it's just not a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. So as a part of the training, you know, we are, you know, we become very aware of how to deal with in other cultures, very aware, aware, but because of who we are, it allows us to be able to deal with people that look like us because in our culture, we don't come to the couch. That's not how we were raised. Mm-hmm. Whereas I might get a call from little Johnny's mother who wants me to see little Johnny at three. And I'm saying I can see little Johnny's mother because this might be some parenting stuff that we might need to deal with because mm-hmm. he's three. He's not going to even possess the language that is necessary mm-hmm. for therapy. Mm-hmm. But his, right. that says to me, OK, mama got some frustrations and some stuff going on. I need to bring her in here. But even in our mm. community, even I am now starting to see probably over the last 10 years, more parents bringing in adolescents. And, and it's not always associated with trauma because we've seen that for the last 25 years that I've been in practice. But now I'm seeing parents give their children this process just to be able to deal with their own feelings and anxieties and their peer pressures, stuff that in my age group parents were not caring about what mm-hmm. you had You almost didn't on. have a right to feel. Listen, you better mm-hmm. hush your mouth and, and go do what you were instructed to do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they yeah. weren't given this process. So... You know, mm. I, I wouldn't say that it's any added pressure on me as an African-American therapist. It's really an honor. It's a privilege to be able to do the work that I do, because what I know is that if we continue to spread the word about mental wellness, mm-hmm. then more people will seek the process and come to the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Randy. Yeah, I definitely want to add to that. I, I can understand that question as well. I mean, I, you want to do the best work possible, and you can see the you can see issues and challenges amongst your people and mm-hmm. amongst your communities. And you want to do your you want to put your all into it, and that's what that's where those boundaries come in. Because I know for me personally, I want to give a hundred and ten percent when I see issues that impact people of color, black and brown people. Because that actually, obviously, you can see the issues on a day-to-day basis. So if I go in and I'm not very mindful or very um, cognizant of, you know, the ability to pull back when I need to, then I go all in and I can find myself in that place in which I'm burning out. Because Mm -hmm. I wanted to give all I had, and I don't have anything left in my cup to give. Mm -hmm. So what am I giving to those people I really care about? So. Again, that's where it gets back into being able to just be in tune, be aware, um, practice, you know, saying no when you need to, mm-hmm. pulling back when you need to. So that's where that self-care piece comes into play. And um, so I know most people, well, not most, but a lot of clinicians have private practice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you guys mm-hmm. um, yep. book your own clients on your own and there's not like a union, so to speak. But do you think, you know, if there was a governing body looking mm. over you guys, that you guys should be required to have ongoing treatment yourself from mm. a therapeutic perspective? Or, like, is, would that be too controversial? Or is it just kind of a, um, I don't know, As just an me. understanding mm-hmm. amongst you guys that you always encourage one another to stay in treatment yourself? And not really treatment, but just, you know, from a wellness perspective, right? Like, you kind of go to the chiropractor 
you know, seeing a therapist mm-hmm. on your own once a month. How, how is that viewed amongst clinicians, you think? Well, I, you know, I know that one of the things that I always say, and I know, Shanti, you've probably heard me say this, is that when people start in therapy, I tell them that the first thing they need to find out is, does your therapist have a therapist? Because if they don't, I say you need to run. Because we're like sponges, and so yep. we absorb a lot of things. That does not mean that I take it home with me because I don't. I leave your stuff right there on the couch. But at the same time, where I do my work is usually where I am shining. Mm-hmm. And so I have the other piece of me, which is my personal life. And so I have to have my own process to make sure that in order to give you my very best, then I've got to come and take care of Adrian as well. That's right. mm-hmm. And so That's right. the therapists that are in my circle all have a therapist. And so, mm-hmm. and, and even um, as, Dr. Randy was saying, you know, just being able to call someone up to say, listen, I've got something that I need to talk about. What do you think? And then you kind of get together with that person. And then we quickly can assess whether or not there's something going on personally with Mm -hmm, us. mm -hmm. And we can say to each other, you know, you might need to go on and have have a conversation with somebody. You know, how are you doing taking care of yourself? So I think that we are very mindful of that. Mm -hmm. And we are the first ones to raise our hands and say, oh, yeah, it's time for me to go and have a seat on the couch. That's Mm -hmm. great. Dr. Randy? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't necessarily think we need to have a governing body but I do think we need to kind of keep putting a lot of emphasis on wellness and self-care. Mm-hmm. And I think this this topic and this um, particular podcast, this episode, just keep educating, keep reminding the clinicians that, you know, we have to practice from a, a, a model of being able to, um, you know, make sure that we're all right. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. if we could do that amongst each other in the sense of just being able to get together or have that person that you can call. And I, I love, Shanti, when you talk about your top five. Um, mm-hmm. I love when clinicians can have their top five mm-hmm. as well. I know you talk about it with everybody, but I think clinicians can have their top five, people that they call um, when they're going through something, to be able to say, look, you know, you need to pull back or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you need to take some time off. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you need to close your caseload mm-hmm. up, you know, and take a break. Um, so if we have those people in our lives and we keep educating each other on that um, and doing what Dr. Berry's doing, planning on doing in terms of those Friday sessions, that's going to be powerful in itself. So um, I think that's a step in the right direction. Yes. And I wanted to ask, um, I, I'll ask both of you. I apologize. Um, I wanted to ask both of you, actually, if you let's say that we have some clinicians um listening or people who are going through the process of becoming clinicians what advice would you give to them on how to leave everything at the couch as you said when they have a client mm, that comes that's in a good question. like what advice would you give to them? how do you do it it's real simple for me um real therapists don't fix your life and you will hear me say that mm. that is not what we do because everybody mm-hmm. that comes into our offices it is a privilege for us to be able to assist them with facilitating their process. And so as long as you remember that it's not your life to govern, it is you are there only to help someone else become their best self. You are there to assist them. You are not there to take over. And and a lot of times people are frustrated when they come into my office because 
their expectation is that they are coming there for answers. And so when I look at them and I lean across my desk and I say, and how's that working for you? And then they sit there like, well, I don't know. And then I say, well, if you don't know how something works in your life, who do you expect to know? And so this process is not about a therapist telling you what you should be doing in your life. And so once you get that in your mind as a clinician, it's very easy to leave it on the couch because it doesn't belong to you in the first place. Mm. Dr. Randy, you have any thoughts on that? that, I mean, that is powerful. And and I'm a graduate professor at King University teaching um, MSW students, future social workers. And free that question is something that I talk to the, the students about all the time. Um, you, it is not your responsibility to heal people. Mm-hmm. You empower people to heal Don't so they can help. heal themselves. Right. That is not your task. And you're not tasked with trying to fix people either. The mm. first thing is that people are not broken. broken. I think we could talk exactly. a little bit about that. Mm. But I think that um, going in with a mindset, mm. understanding that you are simply guiding them and you are empowering them and you are the support and encourager for them. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you don't have to go into any session with that level of pressure to be able to try to fix somebody because the people are not broken. You're going to be on this journey with them to help them. So just be mindful that the the best way that you can help somebody is making sure that you are um, helping yourselves and also practicing unconditional positive regard for the person you're treating. That basically means... Let them run the show. They're mm-hmm. the person that is running their, their lives. They're the experts in their lives. Be there by their side to help guide them with the skills that you've learned. So um, in that regard, that should help you be able to keep your stuff where it needs to be so you can focus on the client. That's really good, good therapists are, yeah. are pretty humble. Mm-hmm. Good, good therapists are pretty yeah. humble people sure. because when you go in there with the level of arrogance – it's going to be very, very difficult to have a healthy therapeutic relationship with somebody. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they'll it's pick up on right it. Away. Yeah, yeah, yep. they'll pick up right on away. it. Can we go back to the part where you said about not being broken? I needed you. Because I really you feel like I have thing. I have said that I've, I felt broken since my sister yeah. passed. I said it last yeah. night. And I know this is a little bit off the subject, but I, I just it's want necessary. you to touch on that. I can, I can definitely because... I think people, and I'm not, I think people feel broken, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Feeling, there's a difference between feeling broken and being and broken. being broken, right? right? So that's the difference that I want to make. I think people go through things in their lives and it feels like they're, you're just breaking down, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think when that shifts from feeling to actually your, your actions, actions and your movements, um, come out and present themselves as you being broken, mm-hmm. that's when you're in a really tough spot. Right. So what we try to help people do is understand, no, you're feeling broken, but you're not broken. Right. So then in that case, we can help some of these things heal, right? We can go through this process of healing mm-hmm. and resolving, and you'll start to feel better. But you were not broken, and broken is like can't return. I mean, the feeling of being broken is something that we can help you work through. So that's what I meant by that. Thank you, because you know, words really do matter. And it's, that's, your again, that's, it's, that's, matter. it's your attitude. Yeah, it's your attitude. It's your attitude yeah, and words matter because that's why we do Silence to Shame. That's why we have this podcast because we're trying to educate our community mm-hmm. and even for me, like I'm going to stop saying I'm broken. That's right. Yeah, I may I, feel broken, but I'm not. And I, I really feel like I'm just now turning a curve 
to want to feel better. Like it's almost like I mm. felt guilty for That's having a good day since my sister passed because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just supposed to stay in this space, even though I know I can mm. hear her in heaven going, no, I want you to go on with your life and Keep I want going. you to celebrate yeah. me. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been ready to celebrate her because I felt guilty. But mm. but you know where some of that comes from, Shanti? It's our conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so when, we, when mm. we grow up and people have planted these seeds about what grief is supposed to look right. like, we're mm. supposed like, to, according to who? Mm-hmm. You know, so right. because it doesn't look the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so you can miss a person and that does not mean that your life is ending and that you can't continue to celebrate her Mm -hmm. and carry her with you, Mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of that comes from when people tell you, oh, you're supposed to be in black, you're supposed to be mourning. Well, black is my favorite color because I think it's sexy. And so (laughs) I don't equate that with grief. I don't equate that with grief, you know. So so we have to be so aware of where Mm -hmm. we get our stuff from Mm -hmm. so that we can know when we carry our stuff and when we carry somebody else's stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Yeah. I love it. All right, so I we're going to go back on topic. Thank I know, you. I needed I that, y'all. I, I, I appreciate that. both of y'all um, for of that. Um, so, okay, I want to talk to you guys. What do you all do for self-care? You know, this this podcast is about, you know, um, taking care of yourselves as a therapist. So, Dr. Randy, can you start and tell us what self-care looks like for you on a regular basis? Or, you know, we have um, Science for Shame Self-Care Saturdays that we do. We try to encourage everybody to take time on Saturdays and Sundays, but, you know, honestly, self-care is important every day of the week, even if you take an hour for yourself or 15, 20 minutes for yourself. That's right. I love to work out. Um, I love to, to laugh. I have three beautiful daughters, um, 13, 11, and 4, Aww. and I just love to get away from the field, get away from the work, and um, take them to the park and just go to mm-hmm. the courts and shoot hoops with them and spending time with my wife and just... It doesn't have to be anything like, I love Kevin Hart. Like, I'm a big Kevin Hart fan. So Mm -hmm. I just, like, I'll go on the internet sometimes or go on uh, Instagram and I'll just scroll looking for funny stuff, you know. (laughs) And I think being able to laugh, you know, and just being able to hang out with my boys and and get away from it all. None of my boys are clinicians, you know. So basically it's great because it gives me the opportunity to kind of, to step away from that, yeah. you know, and, and just to be able to, to, to talk about life in a different way. But I go to the movies by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. I, Me I, too. If I can get away for a couple of hours, I'll sit in my car. Sometimes mm. I just, I like to go to a park and just sit in the car, listen mm-hmm. to some music. As y'all know, I'm, I'm big into hip-hop. Mental hop is mine. Yes. So the my practice, um, which combines mental health education and hip-hop, so I'm big into the music and the culture and sort of the things that go on with the artists and things like that. So that's sort of like my getaway from it all. That's how I practice self-care. And then praying. You know, I got mm-hmm. a spiritual side to me, being able to be able to have that relationship with God and, mm-hmm. you know, get myself grounded when I need to be. You know, that's that's how I get my self-care done. And that's uh, like, a, like you said, a daily practice, something that you really try to do on a regular, even if it's for like an hour. And Shanti, you know, because I learned some stuff from you doing our panels together. I love your little tips and strategies <laughs> that you give to people, too. So Thank I'm you. always learning. So that's another big It's funny. I recently posted about, you mentioned laughter, Dr. Randy. Um, I love to laugh. You know, mm-hmm. I was always silly. Me and my homegirls, you know, I still have my friends from like middle school we can get together and laugh and giggle like we were still in middle school and Mm -hmm. high school. And I recently saw Dave Chappelle's show. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. And for some people, you know, some of the stuff, you know, um, 
maybe a little controversial, but to me, it, you know, it's, it's comedy. And so I'm not here to judge anybody. Um, mm-hmm. What I can say is he's intelligent. Brilliant. More importantly, right. he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I had not laughed, honestly, like that since my sister passed. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. caption was, laughter is good for the soul. And I, it right. just, it, it, you know, I was so grateful to be able to, to get out the house and do something fun. Mm-hmm. And just to laugh and be, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I felt so much better after that. And so, to your point, you know, I'm going to make sure that I incorporate, you know, comedies or you know, going online, you know, looking at some of that mindless stuff that's just, just funny, you know, mm-hmm. good, good, that's right. good that's clean right. humor. And can I just say one quick thing, um, Shanti? In my research, I found that 70, almost 80% of the clinicians that I researched said laughing without malice or being cynical was one of their number one self-care activities. So just be, really? imagine that in mm. all the complexities of mental health, People just, they feel good when they laugh. So mm-hmm. when clinicians have the opportunity just to get away and just laugh, mm-hmm. that's a strong mental health, um, a strong self-care component that could definitely be helpful in terms of mitigating burnout. So Amazing. I just wanted to see how powerful that was. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Dr. Adrian. Mm-hmm. what do you do? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do is um, 10 by 10. And so I was raised to be... Uh, grateful and to be a servant Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times people don't understand that for me that is self-care and so I reach out Mm -hmm. to at least 10 people every day by 10 a.m. and I try to make it 10 different people Mm -hmm. and so Mm. a lot of times they won't know they won't know uh, why I'm calling them why I'm reaching out it might be via text it might be via email it might be via phone call Um, Just because I'm a servant and that's Mm -hmm. what I do. And so it makes me feel good to know that sometimes just picking up the phone to say hello to somebody else can take you a long way out of your own stuff. Mm -hmm. That's right. But the other thing is that I am a journaler. And so I have journaled Mm -hmm. since I was in high school and I have journals that go all Do you even keep all those journals? Yeah. So I have so many journals that it's. Um, unbelievable sometimes. Wow. And I just, I laugh at that and I say only a therapist because I have about 11 <laughs> that I'm writing in at one time because okay. they all serve a different purpose right. for me. But a lot of times when I can't get things out to anybody but for me, mm-hmm. for my purpose, mm-hmm. it goes inside of a book. I do the same. And so, and, I, and I'm big into music. And so mm-hmm. I do a lot of concerts. I do a lot of live music mm-hmm. um, because right. music too. is like air for me. Mm-hmm. And so oh, to be able wow. to sit on my back porch where I have hummingbird feeders and I have bird feeders, I'm big on nature, water, air, earth. I yeah, so it. those are the things that I do. And get you a good a coloring book. Oh, Hello, my wait, goodness. what That's is right. the first yeah, right. law of self? What's, what's the first law of nature? Self-preservation. Bam. Mm-hmm. That right there. So to your point, mm-hmm. there it is. And uh, if I decide I want to go and eat a piece of mellow mushroom pizza like I did today, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm going to do That's it, right. and then I'm going to go and walk two miles instead of one. That's mm-hmm. right. You know, a lot of times we don't give ourselves permission to do the things that feel good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. that is self-care. Do what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Do what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Free. What do you do? Um, I know you're not a clinician, but you know no, we no, all no. gotta engage in stuff. You know, I'm. I think that I've just recently realized the things that are self care for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I need to just take a drive. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, another is travel. Mm-hmm. I love to travel. Um, journaling as well is something that I do. I don't do as frequently as I would like to, but I notice because I'm a writer, when I get into certain spaces, journaling is the only way for me to like be able to say everything mm-hmm. that I feel. Um, and then once I kind of let it go, I notice by the time I start journaling, um, and by the time that I reach the end, you can tell through the words that my mindset has kind of shifted. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose. You know, it's like I'll start off maybe very angry and frustrated, mm. but by the end, I've found in pieces that I've wrote even very recently where I am apologizing for being stuck on not recognizing that this is all a process. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, journaling, uh, also I I too like laughter and to kind of escape in that way and music but i like to i like people i am a people person so i like to be able to actually just talk and have a spirited debate about anything really um and just be able to talk to people in a way to where um lecrae said in one of our webisodes on teen depression where you have people to um face you and not fix you Mm -hmm. and so where you're able to go to somebody and you say something that to the world, it may f- sound off the wall, and it just might be. But at the same time, you have certain spaces you know that you can go into and be completely unjudged and just speak openly and, and, and feel good once you walked out of there. That's great. That's our world. That's no no That's judgment. Judgment-free. Judgment-free. Mm-hmm. Judgment. Mm-hmm. Judgment Love it. Mm-hmm. I think s- travel is probably my biggest um, form of self-care. If, look, if I had endless bank account and endless bank account and could travel but even when i travel for business i try to you know this about me i steal moments for myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i you know my sister this is one thing you know um and i'm celebrating her now her memory she always got the best out of wherever she was Mm -hmm. and whatever she was doing and so a lot of people you know especially coming from an entertainment background you know you travel and Mm -hmm. you kind of get a little jaded and but I still like to be a tourist in New mm-hmm. York City. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love New Bay York, Area. man. I'm going to be a tourist. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, when you work with the cool kids, they're like, there's too many tourists down there. I don't want to do that. Well, we all human. Right, right. And guess right, what? Right. I like to go down by the wharf in San right. Francisco mm-hmm. and look at the water mm-hmm. and go to Ghirardelli Chocolate mm-hmm. and put myself in a happy place. Like, right. excuse my language, I don't give a fuck what <laughs> right. people say. Right. Oh, what's That's corny? Right. What's That's corny right. for one person, like, might feed my soul. Right. Facts. 100% so, true. I do what makes me happy now, and that is, you know, embracing, you know, the culture of the town and the city and doing as much as I can while I'm there. And, you know, I love traveling overseas. I, too, love music, Dr. Adrian. Um, <coughs> a couple, you know, a week ago I got to see um, Frankie Beverly and Mays um, mm-hmm. in concert. One and I just and, and my good friend Johnny Gill. Shout out to Johnny Gill. Yeah, that's great. And I, it just made me so happy, you know, to be able to get out. And it was just a reminder that, Again, you know, going through something, it's not like you got to live in the valley. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. you come out the valley, it's not like you still don't honor that person and their name and their memory. And I'll probably still have bad days, you know, but I've got to begin the healing process. Mm -hmm. You know, I've cried for almost two months straight and I'm ready to finally start to heal. But you are healing because Mm -hmm. healing healing. is a process. It's not a destination. You're not going to step off the plane and be like, hey, that's not how it works. And you will continue. And I think that that's the biggest part, Shanti, is acknowledging that. So many people are expecting 
healing to me. Oh, I never think about it again. Right. And so and that's yeah. just not that, going to happen. It is not going mm-hmm. to happen because no, just like you remember the good things in your life, you remember the bad things Absolutely. in your life. Mm-hmm. It's what do you do with those thoughts? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that's right. And so we, that I don't yeah. slip back into my own depression. I love that um, topic also of just self-care and what the point that you said of being a tourist. You can do that at home too of course you know i'm originally from jersey too you know so like i've been to new york countless times and new york always feels like a brand new city every time that i'm there you know i just well i uh, lived in newark for the first seven years of my life right across the bridge man i'm from i'm from Passaic, so you right like on the same street with us i I love Mm -hmm. new york i love new york would love to live there one month out of the year Mm-hmm. I mean, my goal. There, there was. I, I do want to get this question because Dr. Randy, I ask you about um, clients being concerned with burnout, and are there ways how we say that you can recognize signs of or signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety? Um, are there signs and symptoms of burnout in your therapist, and how can a client potentially recognize that, and what should they do moving forward if they were to recognize something like that? Yeah, I really love that question because it gets to something that um uh, something that obviously you're doing, Shanti, and also, you know, what this podcast is doing is we're educating people, mm-hmm. and I think that it gets back to educating um, the layman about mental health, but also about the process of therapy. So what you can look for in terms of um, your clinician being um, cynical, and cynical basically means not really positive about mm-hmm. your situation. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into a therapy session, you expect your clinician to be um, encouraging, positive, that you can pull through, mm-hmm. not sort of negative mm-hmm. about your situation, that this is sort of, you know, a dire straight or a dire situation um, that you're in. So that's one of the first signs. Mm-hmm. And then also you can look for little things, like is your clinician canceling on you? Mm-hmm. Are they canceling mm-hmm. appointments on a regular basis? Um but also, are they just not giving you what the, what you need in terms of their their particular energy? Doesn't seem right. It seems like something is off. And even if you're not sure, it's okay to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, to to reach out to somebody else or just have a conversation with the clinician and say, "I'm not getting all that I need." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's our duty to try to help you work through that as the clinician. Mm-hmm. Or like we said early in the program, in the podcast, if need be, I have to refer out. Um, and so I, I just think there are definitely signs. But it goes back to just, you know, educating, you know, um, the client. And I don't have a, a problem with a client asking, you know, well, how do you take care of yourself? We have the, the clients have the right to ask mm-hmm. any question they want. Mm-hmm. Um, we have boundaries, of course, certain things that we can say and not disclose. But I think that's a very general question in terms of they don't have to give you details, but do you take care of yourself? Is self-care something that you practice? That's a very simple question that a client can ask. And it should be, you know, obviously the person's going to be honest and, and hopefully they should say yes. But Yes, free. There are definitely signs, and I love that question because I think we can educate people about that mm-hmm. in terms of when they go into therapy. What are some of the signs they can look for um, when they start their therapy session? So that's why I really like that particular question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dr. Randy. Um, Dr. Adrian. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I say during my initial session is that this is about to be like a marriage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so. <laughs> whether it's a couple that I'm dealing with or an individual. And so I say to them, 
if this does not feel like a fit for you, you need to be able to be aware of what your needs are in coming here and what your expectations are in coming here. Because as a clinician, if this is not a fit, we're going to let you know. If we don't feel That's like right. you are doing your work, if we don't, because I tell everybody, this is a ministry for me. This is real work because I have to explain that this is not about coming and having conversation. This is about doing some work that's going to make you your best self. And so it doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy. But you've got to be aware whether or not you feel like it is a good fit for you. And so a part of that is the the person that is coming to the couch having an understanding of what it is they are coming there to get. So if they feel yeah. like it's not kind of what, what Dr. Randy was saying, if they see some signs that they feel like, this is not the right fit for me. Or maybe this therapist is not the person that's going to help me. Yeah, and and that is achieved through conversation. Mm -hmm. Because, again, just because, you know, somebody, as as Dr. Randy is saying, somebody that's consistently canceling on you, Mm -hmm. if they are, God forbid, passive-aggressive as a therapist, that could be a sign that Mm -hmm. they really don't want you on their couch. Mm -hmm. But hopefully... You know, you're going to have a therapist that is able to have those difficult conversations because I've had some therapeutic relationships that I have ended Mm -hmm. where I have Mm -hmm. said to them after they are coming there for a couple of months and I'll say, you know what, I don't think this is a good fit for you. I don't think I am a good fit for you. And then it becomes, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you kicking me off the couch? Absolutely, I am. But I am kicking Mm -hmm. you off with a referral because I think Mm -hmm. that you need to go back and find the person that is going to fit for you Mm -hmm. because if you're not here to do the work I understand everybody's not ready when they actually sit down Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to grow into that Mm. and so because I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste somebody else's time I'm the type of therapist that has the hard conversations Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's great (sighs) you kick them off the couch <laughs> yeah no and it's not even about a matter of kicking them off the couch it's just being like you said open and honest Absolutely. and realizing whether it's a fit mm-hmm. you know because in life you know there's good coaches bad coaches yep. good doctors bad doctors you know right. good accountants bad accountants and it's no different you know, in this field. Good students and challenging students. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you both, mm-hmm. you know, it's incumbent upon both parties to be able to recognize or see warning signs, mm-hmm. you know, on either side of it. So I think it's a, this was a healthy dialogue that was definitely needed. So we thank you guys both for being a part of this conversation today. Episode 27, Does Your Therapist Have a Therapist? I mm-hmm. uh, love to um, get some parting words from you, Dr. Randy, um, if you have any resource information for any clinicians and or LPCs or psychiatrists or psychologists out there um, and, and give us, you know, a little bit more information on how people can follow you. And mm. the same for you, um, Dr. Adrian, and then tell us about your four Fridays again. So I just want to, you know, no standard resources. I just want to encourage clinicians, therapists, change agents. Um, if you're in the helping field, practice good self-care. There's so much information online in terms of what self-care looks like. But like we said earlier in the podcast, <laughs> self-care is really about doing what's best for you and what you want to do. So it can look different for each person. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be as simple as something 20, 15, 20 minutes out of your day that sort of re-energizes you and recharges you. 
And if you do that, that's a good way to mitigate and stop burnout from taking place because you'll just be more mindful of what's going on and more aware of your own mental and emotional health. In terms of my services, um, NewStepsCounseling.com um, is my practice. And also, I just want to plug Mental Hop, which is mental health education through hip-hop culture. And um, people can follow me on Instagram. I, I put up stuff that I'm doing in positive posts, and that's at um, doc, D-O-C, dot underscore S. And I look forward to connecting with everybody. And, and once again, free Shanti. Um, Dr. Barry, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate you guys and all the work that you guys are doing in this field as well. It's Dr. Adrian. Mm-hmm. She, 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 she did the same thing that I'm doing to you. I shortened it, so it's now Dr. Adrian. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's Dr. Adrian. So, yeah, so you can follow me um, on Instagram because I totally agree with everything that Dr. Randy said. We don't have... Um, you know, a, a wellness retreat yet uh, for therapists. Not yet. That, that, right. That, I that, think y'all look, need to start I, that. I, I, What's going listen, on? hint, it hint, happens. we don't have that yet, but maybe that's mm-hmm. what Dr. Randy and Dr. Adrian will work yes. on um, where we can come together as clinicians. But, of course, we have our different conferences mm-hmm. and that sort of thing mm-hmm. that we do. But, you know, like he's saying, outside of that, right. we need to right. figure out those things that we need to do on a daily basis that's to right. take care of ourselves. So, yeah. Um, so I concur, concur, concur. And um, you can follow me on Instagram at doctor, and it's D-O-C-T-O-R-A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. Um, my website is Dr. Adrian. It's D-R-A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. And then on uh, Facebook, please join Couchversations with Dr. Adrian, especially for the Fix It 6 on Friday, where it's Relationship mm. Friday. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. And, and, and Loungeversations, <laughs> but Loungeversations is a closed group on Facebook because it goes down after dark for adults. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Everybody can't get it. up in that one. I love it. I love it. Well, and, and you know how you can follow us. Um, follow Silence of Shame on Instagram, at Silence of Shame on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Silence TH Shame. Um, we definitely are still a young organization, and we still need funding. So, you know, if you enjoy what you're hearing or you know somebody that's looking to donate to an organization that's out in the community doing good work, consider uh, donating to our cause. You can text the word SILENCE to 707-070, or you can go on our website and click click donate. Um, And no amount is is too large or small. You know, Mm -hmm. we'll take... A dollar, we'll take five dollars, we'll take a million dollars. Mm-hmm. How about five that? million dollars? We're still trying to raise a million. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, be sure to make sure that you subscribe. List, you subscribe, <laughs> rate, um, comment, and share. That's right. Our podcast. Um, again, this is episode 27. We appreciate everybody. Remember to take time, save a life, and silence the shame.